podcast episode number 78. One week of NFL football is in the works. Jackson is here with myself, Peter Mitchell, to break it all down. We got a whole bunch of good stuff for you today. We are so excited. I mean, we get engrossed in the NBA like nobody else you know. I mean, the draft, the rumor mill, every little thing about it. But whenever football resumes, I'm managing five fantasy teams. We're tracking our bets. All bets are off with the NBA, despite a jam-packed, action-filled night last night, which we're going to talk about at the end of the show today. Yeah, I'd almost prefer we didn't, but we obviously have to. Yeah, we absolutely have to, but let's just go through the agenda today. We're debuting a new segment, a few new things this week, just having a little fun with it. Head scratchers and head turners. We're going to start the show with that. Uh, Which teams caught our eyes, made us turn our head and say, oh, I need to pay attention to that. Obviously, head scratchers, the Cleveland Browns will probably be mentioned there. (laughs) Then we're going to go ahead to fantasy fight or flight. Who are the guys you should be fighting for um, in trades? Uh, a few guys got picked up off the waiver wire this week. We'll probably hit on who those guys were. Um, other things like that. Flight candidates, who you're trying to dump off, sell high, just get rid of. Who, after week one, are we already thinking it wasn't worth their ADP average draft position for you guys? Um, and then, obviously, bankroll builders. We both added to the bankroll last week. Great start for the boys. We're excited to recap those bets. Look ahead to week two here. We got some good picks for you. And then, of course, we're going to end it off with a little NBA playoff update. Talk about that BAM block, the Clippers destroying, I mean, everyone's bets in Vegas and making Twitter. And my hearts and the progress. Yes. Yeah. Paul George, um, fraud. That's all I got to say. Playoff P does not exist (laughs) um we'll get there later though yeah wow that was a lot in in one intro but jackson we're gonna start with head turners and head scratchers the ultimate head scratcher this week was watching my kansas jayhawks on saturday night we don't need to talk about two quarterback systems um this week but let's start ahead on the positive side with the nfl head turners Go ahead. What's your number one takeaway from this week? Uh, my biggest head turner this week was Gardner Minshew in the Jacksonville Really Jaguars. leading the show at the Jacks. Yes. You know I'm a big Minshew guy, and this team was supposed to be pitiful this year. There were a lot of people saying they might only win two or three games, and I'll tell you what, that's not going to be the case. Gardner Minshew went out there and damn near pitched a perfect game. I mean, only one incomplete pass, three touchdowns. This Colts defense was supposed to be beefed up and give them fits, and it didn't. And Jacksonville just looked great. I was shocked. They were the biggest underdog coming into week one, and they didn't look like it. I mean, it looked like... The classic Philip Rivers with the Chargers trying to hopelessly throw his way back into the game with less than two minutes left. And sure enough, it was against Jacksonville and not a big time team like it usually is. Although the last few years, Philip Rivers seemingly finds a way to lose to anyone. So I'm hmm. not sure how much stock to take in this when it comes to Jacksonville and how much of this really falls on Phil and Indy. But man, I was impressed with Jacksonville and Minshew looked really good. Yeah, 95% completion rate in week one. The Colts were the team everyone had in their teasers with that eight-point spread. You could get that down to two, win by a field goal, or your parlays in the on the money line just giving you some more value there. The Jags came out and blew it up. 100% 
I thought the Colts were going to go ahead and get a dub here. I I didn't really want to throw them in any parlays, but I went ahead on game day, threw an extra oh. threw an extra bet out there. And I hopped on the Jags live after the first half. Love it. Well, I saw all I needed to see. I'm not touching any live bets. The bets you hear on this podcast <laughs> are literally what I'm taking this season. So, yeah, I mean, impressive stuff from them. The Colts, the O-line, I mean, everyone's hyping them up this season. They didn't really run the rock the way I'd expect them to. I think that'll change as the season goes on. You got Jonathan Taylor stepping up his first game as a rookie. Marlon Mack tearing the Achilles. Now he's out for the year. Just not a good start for the Colts, but I think they'll pick it up. Your boy Hines. My guy You were all over that. And it looked like he was going to have value regardless of if Mack went down. But the fact that Mack does go down ensures that he has legit fantasy value. Right. And I'll touch on that a little bit more later when we talk about fantasy guys. But yeah, you're right. We'll see if Minshew can keep it up. I don't really think they're going to win six games this year. I'd probably still say five. They got their good win out of the way. All the young guys were <laughs> up for it, but now we got 16 more weeks, so we'll see how they can do. Yep. All right. Who is your biggest head turner after week one? All right, my biggest head turner. Let's just go with the Kansas City Chiefs, who look like an no, absolute right. wagon, dominating the Houston Texans on opening night. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire showed why they took him in the very first round. 25 carries, 138 yards, breaking tackles. He had the nice little, I think, 21-yard touchdown run, scampered his way on into the end zone. They didn't even use him in the passing game, which is what shocked me more than anything. I thought this is where he was going to derive his fantasy value and was also the main reason why they took him in the first round. So to see them not even have to check it down to him or use him in open space to create offense, I thought that was a very impressive sign. And I believe this was the first time in, I mean, they didn't even do this once last season. They ran the ball more than they passed the ball. And that's a great sign for Chiefs fans. You don't need to get Mahomes hurt. Uh, I mean, this team just looks very impressive, and I think they will do the same thing in week two against the Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. This team's going to win a lot of games, have a lot of leads. And if they do have that steady back that is going to secure the ball, not put it on the ground and be picking up over four yards a carry, they're going to run the ball a lot this season. So it's going to be a good year for CEH if he can stay healthy. Absolutely. What's your number two here? My number two is the Arizona Cardinals getting the upset over the 49ers, who we both suspected might take a few steps back this year. And granted, the 49ers are battling a lot of injuries on offense. Kittle went down. I are now. Oh, I actually didn't even know that. The new three game IR. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Three game IR. I was going to get used out for the season for a second. And, very weird, but I kind of like it. It's kind of a nice addition to the weird season we've got. Oh, Give some nice. teams more flexibility. But yeah, the Cardinals look great. I mean, hats off to Kyler Hopkins and Kingsbury. Kyler looked amazing with over 320 yards. He had 91 on the ground and Hopkins caught 14 balls for 151 yards. I mean, this guy is not going to regress at all this season. He might even have a better year in that Arizona offense than he did in previous seasons in Houston. So this team looks legit. I still like him in the division. I feel even better about him now. And I think in the next few weeks, some people might start talking about the Cardinals making a 
Super Bowl. All right, so the Cardinals are 100% leading the way as the possible Baltimore Ravens of 2020. I like that. With the hyped-up quarterback. I mean, you mentioned him as your MVP candidate, not named Mahomes or Lamar last week. I knew you were going to do it, so I went with Dak. But, I mean, after week one. I, I had McCaffrey. I'm oh, you had McCaffrey. You had McCaffrey. I, I would have loved to have right, said right. I had Kyler in there. Fantasy MVP, I'm all over Okay, yeah. I liked him a lot. We've, we've been on the hype train is what I'm trying to yes. say. And yes. I just wish I would have doubled and tripled down on it going into week one. He ran the ball 13 times and only got touched once. Took one hit on all those carries. That is what you want whenever he's going to be toting the ball like he's that. so fast he is so fast i'll say it he's faster than lamar he might not be a shifty but he's faster than lamar i take him in a foot race the he's rushing just lightning had, quick i don't know how he, he was going in a straight line all of a sudden he veers off to the right towards the pylon and had three to four yards of separation i don't know how people are gonna catch the guy if he's doing that all year yeah, the only issue I could see him having is getting balls batted at the line. We saw the one interception when he did have a tip pass. And yeah. with him being short, that's going to be an issue potentially. But that is the only red flag I can see with this team. The defense stepped up, looked like they made a lot of improvements after giving up a couple big chunk plays I'm early in the game. Play. They hunkered down. Yep, they hunkered down and they really played tough. And I like this Cardinals team a lot. I'm all in on them. Cardinals going to the Super Bowl, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and one more thing. I was very impressed by the Hopkins performance. I thought he would have a yeah. slow start. There was a lot of talk about him sitting out in training camp, negotiating that contract, and not really you know, practicing with Kyler. So I thought the connection might be slow to form. But 14 catches was a career high, and that trade is looking like an absolute steal for the Cards. So to come out, mm -hmm. beat the NFC champs in week one, very impressive. I'm looking forward to see how he plays against the Washington football team's front seven, which is my second head turner this week. Okay. Coming out and beating the Philadelphia Eagles easily. Them and the Cowboys are the picks to win the NFC East. I think the football team might actually make some noise, win seven games this year if their defense is going to play see like it. that. I definitely, yeah, they're definitely, I mean, a year away from having the offensive firepower to actually win a division. I think they, For they sure. averaged 3.6 yards per play or something abysmal. They really couldn't move the rock. But when Chase Young comes out, one and a half sacks forced fumble on his first ever NFL sack, that's what they took him number two for. I like what I saw, man, and I think there's some buy-in with Ron Rivera. Oh, completely. And one thing that I saw that really made me encouraged with that offense, when they were mounting that 17-point comeback, Dwayne Haskins is over there getting everybody amped up. He's talking to the defense. Yeah. He's talking to the offensive line. He was on the sidelines looking like a leader, and I did not think Washington was going to have very much to be happy about this season. But, man, Chase Young, Haskins, Scary Terry, and some other guys on that team, they have a very bright future. And the next few years, there's a chance they could win that division a time or two. And I did not think I would be, be really that. good in a year. <laughs> yeah. Next few years, it should be really good. Yeah. Not, not just a 17 point comeback, 27 straight unanswered points. Um, 
They put it on Philly. Yes. And granted, Philly dealt with a lot of injuries. They had a couple guys go down mid-game. We all knew how banged up they were coming into the game. But that was just abysmal. You can't give up 27 unanswered to a team that's only supposed to win five or six games this year. Right. And Lane Johnson was out. Miles Sanders were out. So the eight sacks, maybe, you know, you take that with a grain of salt. But impressive stuff. What's your third head turner? Absolutely. My third head turning team was the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay. I know they lost, but Joe Burrow came out strong. He had a couple jitters. The little flip shovel pass interception was bad, but it seemed like he was able to keep a level head. He didn't get too frazzled and he let that potential game winning or tying drive. Mm -hmm. If, bullet can just make the chip shot field goal or if we can get rid of opis yeah there were a lot of kicking woes uh and a lot of opis week one but what i saw from cincinnati was really encouraging i think they're going to be more competitive in that division than what most people thought going into the year and i'll have a little bit more on them when we get to best bets because i like what they've got going i liked them the next few weeks and A.J. Green is going to be Joe Burrow's best friend this year. They're going to be a really nice wide receiver QB tandem. Yes, I have a rebuttal for what you're going to say later in the show. But All this right. was an All encouraging right. start from Joey B. The little 23-yard rushing touchdown following his blocker. It looked a little bit like Dak Prescott, might I say. I think Burrow has some Tony Romo in him. If we're being honest, I think he's got a little Aaron Rodgers in him. I saw some of that too. You think I don't know about that kind of arm talent, but the ability to make a little bit of magic, it's definitely there. Okay. Okay. I can get behind that. But regardless, the Bengals, just like Washington, have a lot to look forward to. And them, both those teams and the Jags, they're not going to be as bad as people thought. I mean, the NFL is going to be a lot more competitive this year than in seasons past, I think. And there's not going to be a team that's a two, three, four win team. I wouldn't be surprised if every single team has at least five or six wins. We will see. Yeah. After week one, I can't really think of a seller dweller other than possibly the New York jets. And yeah, that leads me into my, <laughs> forgot about the my jets. final head turner was Josh Allen coming out strong this season. I know the jets don't have Jamal Adams anymore, but Marcus Mays is a solid player coming over from Seattle. I mean, what he did first time over 300 yards passing also led the team in rushing. He looks like an early Cam Newton, might I say. He doesn't have that same accuracy let's, throwing the ball. Let's pump the brakes there. It's the Jets. It is the, the Jets. Jets. They dominated he the also, game. He also had a few bad fumbles. I think there were two fumbles and... You're playing you a better him, team. Those are going to be costly. You got to let Josh Allen, Josh Allen is all I'm going to say. But the first until it starts costing you games, but he, he did look good. I will say that he moved the ball very well. He was electric, but he's just got to work on that ball security. If he really wants to win 10 plus games this year. Right. And the digs edition did look like it's going to pay off. Absolutely. It's going to help stretch the field for them a lot because him and John Brown, man, both of them are liable to break a big one off at just about any time. And Josh Allen's got the arm to find him if they're open downfield. 100%. All right. Head scratchers. Unless you got another. All right. 
I've got one more head turner. Okay. You're not going to like it. Got to give you some shit here. The Rams are <laughs> my last head turner. It looked like with their 75% salary cap team, they're going to be okay. Aaron Donald looked like Thanos out there as he has the last few seasons. And the offense looked pretty good for the Rams. I mean, they're going to make it work. Malcolm Brown looked a lot better than I thought he would. Acres wasn't quite where I wanted him to be, but Robert Woods looked good. Reynolds looked good. Cup didn't look bad. Higby looked all right. <sighs> I mean, Sean McVay is going to win eight games this year. I think we might have jumped the gun a little bit saying they could win six or seven. I think they're going to be around 500, but the Rams looked better than I expected. I thought there was a chance that they could get the hurt put on them by the Cowboys, but they didn't. They came out strong, and the Rams were my fourth head turner. They look good. Yeah, they were one win away from the playoffs last year. And last week I said it, I'm on the Jared Goff bounce back train this season. Um, we're, we're both low on the 49ers. So I, I do think the Rams might sneak into a wild card spot with that 17 playoff this year. They were impressive. Yeah, Malcolm Brown ran the ball pretty well. He kept Akers off the field, who did have a little slow start to his career. But I mean... Sean McVay's play designs were looking really nice early. They're getting Woods the ball in open space. They were getting the push up front every they single were. time. I mean, their offensive line was dominating. Whitworth looked like a beast out there. And I don't know how much of it was the Cowboys line underperforming, but that Rams offensive line looked just like a bunch of specimens out there. And the play design from McVay looked quite a bit different than last year. I, I heard um, Al Michaels and Collinsworth mention it a couple times. It looked like, um, wait, was that Sunday night? Yeah, that was yeah. Sunday night, you're right? talking about yeah, how yeah. the runs and the passes looked the same. They, you know, they run that eleven personnel, try to disguise yes, that, what and they're going to do. It, it didn't look like the offensive line was doing as much pulling in left and right as they were just getting the push up front right. moving forward. It, it didn't look like they were trying to be too cute like they did at times last season. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely going to help Jared Goff. I mean, he needs to be able to throw the ball and play action for them to succeed. And if they're getting that push up front, it's going to work. So yeah, I was impressed with them. Well, we can talk a little bit more about Dallas later. Okay. Um, let's go ahead here to head scratchers. Obviously, we start with the Cleveland. Okay, Browns. that's where I, mean, I was going to start. That's my number one. Yeah, I figured that's got to be where you start. So they looked awful. And at first, you know, the first few possessions, well, the first drive they had and first defensive possession, I was thinking maybe Cleveland keeps this close. Maybe. And then they go for the fake punt deep in their own territory. And that's when I was like, all right, all hell's about to break loose. Mm -hmm. Stefanski's a dingus. I don't uh, know what is going on here. I just thought that Cleveland was going to be a lot more competitive. And I'm waiting for Baker and that offense to figure it out. Because when you've got the weapons that they do in Chubb, Hunt, Odell, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. I mean, you got to score more than six points, right? That's just abysmal. Oh, I mean, 100%. Whenever Chubb broke off the big play down the right sideline, I thought, okay, we might have a little bit of a game here. Uh -huh. But then when you realize Odell is a number two receiver and Baker... Odell's not a number two receiver. Baker's a mediocre quarterback. You put Odell on any other team and he has double his numbers. I mean, look at what he did in New York with declining Eli. He was a top five receiver every year. 
I, I was just making a play on words, but Odell's oh. talent is. Oh, I see what you did there. Okay, okay. It's it's just not good <laughs> enough. I need to see more. There was no nothing, no sign. He did. He had ten targets, but only three catches for twenty two yards. I need to see a better connection. I'm not ready. Half of those balls were uncatchable. Right. I'm not ready to overreact on the Browns though. In Stefanski's first game as the head coach there. I'm a lot more ready than you are. I, uh, do you think there's any validity to the Odell trade rumors? I mean, he, there's trade rumors with him wherever he is. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, it's all noise. I'm shutting it out. I'm shutting the Browns off until they show me something. Not a good start at all, but they yeah. were playing. We'll see tomorrow night. They were playing the Baltimore Ravens who like the chiefs are a wagon. So yeah, we'll see. Very Hopefully true. we see a bounce back tomorrow. Okay, so I'll go ahead and give my second head scratcher here since we can both cross Cleveland off our list there. Mm -hmm. The Detroit Lions are my number two head scratcher here because how do you blow a three-possession lead to Mitch Trubisky and the Bears who just looked pitiful <laughs> all game? I don't understand that. And Matt Stafford, what are you doing? You're driving with two minutes left and you got a possession lead. All you need to do is milk clock and worst case scenario, you pin Chicago deep in their own territory with a minute or a minute and a half left. And then you know what? You throw the pick and it happens. You move on. Chicago has the beautiful play to Anthony Miller to take the lead. And then the Lions are driving. But yeah, that was incredible. Shout out Anthony Miller was all over him. He's going to have a big year, but and then you're the Lions, you're driving, you got a chance to win the game. Swift is wide open in the end zone. No one's within two, three yards of him. All he's got to do is just make the catch and the game's over. And it goes right through his hands. That's it tough. was like Detroit was trying to throw that game. And I feel for Swift because I'm sure he lost a lot of sleep over that in his first game. But man, you got to make that play. Detroit, come on, man. What are you doing? Yeah, and if you're DeAndre Swift watching the Monday night game by chance and the whole booth is talking about that play, that's just got to hurt. It's got to hurt. First ever NFL game. He's going to be thinking about that for a long time, especially if they have any chance at a wild card or division, you know, division winning chance here this year. So, that's yeah, tough. that's out the window for me. I'm I'm riding Detroit off after that week one loss. I don't think they're going to be able to hang with the Packers in that division. I don't even think they'll be as good as Minnesota, who I expect to decline this year. I, I am looking forward to the matchup against Green Bay this week. I think both teams will move the ball pretty well. You think Detroit could bounce back? Get a little upset? I wouldn't be shocked if they did, I will say. I believe I heard a stat today that teams... Uh, go 0 and 1 and play 1 and 0 teams are like 73% covering the spread. Uh, I don't know how much stock I'm going to take. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Uh Green Bay looked great. But yes, they did. Detroit needs to pick it up. Matt Patricia, what's going on, my, my friend? Yeah, he's got to be on the hot seat. I saw something about how they fired Caldwell after he had like a third of the losses P Patricia does. And Patricia's win percentage is almost half of what Caldwell's was. Yeah. And Detroit's just a mess. Patricia's got to be on the hot seat. Him and Adam Gase both got to yeah, be already have having one foot Gase, out the door. Which... I agree with you on that. <laughs> But uh, on to, yeah, on to the next head scratcher here. Who is your number two head scratching team? Well, I was going to say the Colts coming out with the dud, but I will go ahead and say my Dallas Cowboys. 
oh. are leaving me scratching my head. Mike McCarthy looks like a clone of Jason Garrett. At least he did in week one. I've been all over the whole one score game thing and how that trend kind of regresses to the mean. They were one in six in one score games last year. They had a Mm -hmm. chance to make this game a lot more interesting by just kicking the field goal. I know some people are, are arguing that, Oh, the fourth down call was smart. Well, what about the third and six call where you run it up the gut? There is no excuse for that play call. You need to throw it on both of those downs if you're going to do something there, in my opinion. Well, and the way I feel about it is if you are going to throw it on fourth and short, every single route should be must be beyond the first down marker. Yeah, there is no reason to throw a pass two yards short of the first down marker and risk getting lit up and stopped right there and turning it over on downs. I mean, I'd rather have an incomplete pass or interception than that. Well, the, the blame was on Dalton Schultz, who came in for Blake Jarwin, who tore his ACL. God bless him. We all were expecting yeah, a that's big breakout year with Jason Witten gone. That absolutely sucks. Non-contact ACL injury. It looked bad. You knew it immediately once you saw it. Yeah. But Schultz didn't run the route as far as he was supposed to. So CD had to kind of cut a little further back than you would have liked. And a great tackle by the Rams defender. I can't remember. It was a great tackle. But yeah, they weren't nearly aggressive enough. Michael Gallup was not as involved as I would have liked, and he would be more involved if we were stretching the field, throwing it down the field. The wide receiver talent is too much not to push the ball down the field and play conservative football like Jason Garrett. So I'm clearly getting heated the more I talk about this. Um, I think they can get things back on track against a terrible Atlanta secondary this week. So I'm not going to freak out overreact too much, but it was not a good start. Did you watch the post game presser with McCarthy? I couldn't. It was bad. It was really bad. I encourage you to go watch Jimmy, it sometime. A couple things from it. Uh, McCarthy was all over the place. They asked him about the decision like on fourth Miles down. Or Joe Biden? Uh, yeah, it had a little <laughs> bit of that feel. Like he was just throwing words out that didn't really make sense. He was, um, yeah, you know, you're playing football. It's a tough game, and I like what we were doing. And you know, the fourth down call, like I, I didn't, I didn't question. I thought it was the right move, and it just there was no basis to anything he was saying. There was nothing actually tangible coming from it i mean he was just saying random stuff all over the place i watched about 10 minutes of it and i was thinking man this guy uh he might be beyond his coaching days at this point maybe he did not look too competent a year off maybe he was just rusty on the podium maybe so but (laughs) man he looked like a deer in headlights up there but anyway on to our next head scratcher here i've got the carolina panthers They hurt me bad, and really the reason that I've got them on here is on the fourth and inches, when you're down four, you're driving. Christian McCaffrey's been great all game. You don't hand it off to him. I don't get it. You've been getting the push up front all game. McCaffrey's a beast. He hits holes incredibly well. He's so agile. If the play does get blown up, he's got a chance to still make something happen. And they don't give it to him. And if you're not going to give it to McCaffrey, at least sneak it with Teddy Bridgewater, who's a big athletic QB that can probably pick up a few inches. They don't do either. Very questionable from Matt Rule. 
and Joe Brady. I was disappointed in the Panthers. That was, I mean, that was my team I felt great about in week one, and they let me down. So Panthers left me scratching my head on that last drive. That's okay with me. My expectations were really low with this team. Maybe the play call was bad there, but to put up 30 points against the Raiders, I got to say, Teddy looked good. I was impressed. Teddy looked good. Teddy was able to move the ball. Robbie Anderson escaped the grasp of Adam Gase and made a couple of big plays. McCaffrey mm-hmm. looked like his old self, 28 fantasy points. That dude is a, just a robot. Um, so I was actually, you know, somewhat satisfied with what I saw from them week one. Obviously, the defense has a lot of work to go. Super young. They lost James Bradbury yeah. to the Giants. They'll improve throughout the season. In though. the secondary, yeah. They got a lot of work to do. Who do they have next week? Oh, the Bucks. What do you think there? I like them against the spread, but not to win the game. I think nine points, I believe, is what I saw that last, and that's a lot of points. I think Carolina can cover, but in all honesty, I'm staying away from that game. I'm excited to watch it from a fan perspective, but from a from a better's perspective, I am staying away. Okay, I was thinking the over might be a good play there. Ah, uh, potentially, but I don't know about McCaffrey against that Tampa Bay front. They looked pretty darn good, stuff in the run. They had Kamara just completely stopped in his tracks. So I don't know. I'm just gonna probably stay away from that game entirely and just watch for some good football, hoping it's a good game. So, well, I don't have any more head scratchers. We hit all mine. I had Philly on there is how the heck do you blow a 17-point lead, right. but we touched on that. So moving along to some fantasy action here. All right, fight or flight. We are looking at week one. Who made some noise? Who are we looking to pick up the rest of the year? We think there is consistency to come, and who are we fleeing away from? Who is not going to be worth their ADP? We each have some targets on the fight side and the flight side. You can go first here. I know you got four. Hit me. Obviously, number one, I'm going Kyler Murray. He looked incredible. Oh. The 90-plus yards on the ground. I mean, this guy getting drafted 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th round in leagues, ridiculous. He's got a chance to be the number one QB, and if you can pair him up with Hopkins, you are going to be in the playoffs and win a heck of a lot of fantasy games this year. I am all in on Kyler Murray. I think Kingsbury is just going to keep opening it up more, letting him run the ball more, and turn that man loose. Wouldn't be surprised if he has more rushing yards than Lamar Jackson this year. Yeah, the rushing totals 91 yards and a score. That's what you want to see. Um, do you think he's someone who you can actually acquire through a trade, though? Depends on what you've got to offer. It depends on the team that you're trying to trade with. I mean, maybe they've got another quarterback who's solid, or maybe you've got shoot, I don't know, you've got Big Ben or someone like that on your team that had a big week one. You could offer Big Ben and a running back or wide receiver for Kyler maybe. But Mm. if I'm, you know, being a Kyler fantasy owner that I am, I'm not giving him up for anything. So it's going to be hard to pry Kyler away from fantasy owners. But he's the guy that I'm fighting for and I want him on my team. Okay, yeah. I think if you have one of him or Hopkins, I might be willing to overpay slightly to pair them together. Agreed. 
Agreed for sure. Who do you got number one as the guy you're wanting to fight for and get him on your team as bad as you can? Okay, so I don't have any guys of that caliber on my fight list, but I will start with both of the Colts running backs, Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Listen to this. Phillip Rivers targeted running backs on 37% of his throws, picking up where (laughs) he left off with the Chargers, with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. I did tease that Hines could play an Eckler role for the Colts. And I think now that Marlon Mack is out, he is 100% going to play an Eckler role for the Colts. And then you look at Jonathan Taylor, six catches on six targets. He had nine carries, I believe. With Mack out, he is ready to roll. Are you concerned about his carries and how little yards he had? Or do you no. think that receiving will make up for it regardless of even if he's a dud running the ball? Okay, that's the thing. I'm one, no, I'm not concerned about his ability to run the ball. First okay. game out. Um, I think the Indianapolis O line has been a little bit banged up, so I think they can get healthier as the season goes on. I think he could possibly have a nice week against the Vikings, whose defense looks like it's going to take a major step back. I don't think that's an overreaction after just one week against Green Bay. Um, and then, obviously, the the pass-catching upside, I mean, he's a guy who I think can get you 15 points a week with that. Man. Yeah. and You then, are bullish on Taylor. I'm very bullish. I mean, after week one, I think he's someone who you try to get right now because after this week, if he gets in the end zone, people are going to be very reluctant to let him go. And then Hines, yes, he had a good week. He's not going to be getting in the end zone twice every game. I think he's a flex guy for you. I don't want him in the RB2 spot. Are you trying to go trade for him now, or is he someone that you wait until they cool off and come off maybe a bad week where only puts up six, seven, eight points, and then you go try and make a stab at him, you know, buy low on him? Um, I, I mean, you'll definitely pay maybe a little bit less if you wait for that long, but I don't think it makes too much of a difference. I still think he's kind of an unknown commodity to most fantasy players, except for ones who are just super invested like us yeah okay that's fair that's fair anything else on those two not nah, just go get them 37 percent of philip rivers throws to running backs yeah that's a big number that is a big number and the second guy i have here we have very different approaches i've got really that's bigger fine. name guys here but i've got juju smith schuster so he got drafted like a lot lower than he should have in leagues he was going third fourth fifth round in leagues and big ben came back looking like the big Ben that threw for over 5,000 yards in 2018 and Juju with two touchdowns. (laughs) He's going to be a monster. Yeah. It was a little bit of a slow start and granted the giant secondary isn't great, but the thing is Pittsburgh's got enough weapons now with Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Ebron that you can't just double Juju and try to take him away in every single matchup. Juju's going to see a lot of single coverage and he is somebody that's good enough to make teams pay. And I think his red zone targets are going to be incredibly high because James Washington, Deontay Johnson, those aren't red zone guys. They're smaller. No. They're not a go up and get it 50-50 ball guy. Juju's the guy on that team that's going to get the 50-50 ball. So I think Big Ben is going to continue to throw for a stupid amount of yards and touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised if he's over 4,500 yards this year. And mm-hmm. I'm looking for Juju to be a major benefactor of that. And Juju will be a top 10 receiver this year. 
I like that call. Um, if you did get him at his ADP this season, give yourself a pat on the back, a round of applause. Great pick. Yep. Promising start. The one concern I would have was Deontay Johnson did have 10 targets. That was like 31% target share for the Steelers. That scares me a little bit, but I mean, Juju's going to get the ball thrown his way for sure. And he's going to have some chunk plays. You know, Deontay's going to be in the slot picking up four or five, six yard gains. Right. And a lot of Juju's catches are going to be for 15 plus yards. Mm. Uh, quick question. How do you feel about them playing Denver this week? Matchup wise? I think they win by double digits. Schuster and Deontay. Are you, you have any pause playing? Start them? both of them. Oh, start both of them without a doubt. Denver's defense and secondary didn't give me enough reason to think otherwise. I mean, when you've got Corey Davis putting up a monster game, I think that without a doubt, you've got to play both of them. Granted, AJ Boye did do he a did good get, job. He did on get AJ hurt Brown. Though. I don't know he did what his status is. I don't either, but I know he's dinged up and not going to be 100%. So, if he is playing... Oh, on IR. Big oh. news. Huge <laughs> news. Throw the Steelers Pitt- in your lineup this week. Pittsburgh by two touchdowns at least. Okay. That is very big news. I See, I asked that for myself because I have Deontay. I'm starting him now. 100%. I've got him on the bench in one league, and he will no longer be on the bench in that league. <laughs> okay. My next guy, Dallas Goddard. He probably came off of waivers or was already on someone's bench this week, but eight catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. I have full confidence putting him in my starting lineup after just one week. I completely agree. And with Ertz, I mean, he got banged up. He missed some plays. He's already got the injury bug, which he seemingly has every single year. Philly doesn't want to pay Ertz. There's a good chance that I think he gets traded at some point this season, especially if we see the continued production from Goddard that we saw week one. So I'm thinking, especially with how thin Philly is at wide receiver, Goddard's getting at least seven targets every week. So he should be someone that is starting until he gives you a reason not to put him in your starting lineup. And if you did pick him up off waiver wires and you've got yourself a Kelsey or a Kittle or a Mark Andrews or even Darren Wall or someone like that, go make yourself a trade. You got some weapons. You've got some ammo. Go get better at a position where you need help, either running back, wide receiver, quarterback, somewhere. You can get better. You don't need to leave one of those guys on your bench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm coming after Goddard hard in the one league I didn't draft Mark Andrews in. <laughs> um, <laughs> Goddard led the Eagles with nine targets this week, so I think that is not noise. That is that's signal. Go get him. Come on. Yeah, I completely agree. And even if Ertz stays healthy and plays well, they're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. They, they took him with the be first the round pick. This guy is talented mm-hmm. he is going to get his target so i like that a lot third guy that i am fighting for you were all over this one i will give you your credit oh kareem hunt oh he had more carries and more yards than nick chubb nick chubb got most of his yards on one big chunk play he had a bad fumble and that kareem could be hunt why he gonna- got more carries very well could be but you've also got kareem hunt who is going to get so many more touches out of the backfield coming from past receptions he's someone that could catch four five six balls a game whereas nick chubb is only going to probably catch one or two if that so kareem hunt is probably going to be getting you 12 to 20 every week from here on out and i think there is a chance that he actually does get 
more carries this season than Nick Chubb, and they try to lighten Chubb's load because he has been an absolute workhorse for him, and there's just no way that he can sustain the amount of carries that he has had the last few years. Right, and I'll go ahead and say one of my flight guys who's Nick Chubb because whenever Kareem Hunt came back last year, I mentioned this on a previous pod, Hunt was RB18, I think, and Chubb was RB17. So that's all you needed to see. And with Chubb going in the second round, man, that Way really hurts for people who drafted him. So, yeah, I like yeah. I like Hunt if you can acquire him. I, I don't think you'd have to give up a ton. So I'm trying to trade Cooper Cup for him in our league, and I don't know if that's enough, but I'm hoping I don't know it will if it be. is. <laughs> if Cup we'll would have popped this week, sure, but... Right. Yeah, maybe no. if Cup has a bigger week next week, but Cooper Cup's another guy that I'm up in the air on and maybe, maybe taking flight on, but we'll see. Uh, who else do you have, guys that you're fighting for? Um, how many more do you have on the on the fight list? I've just got one more on my fight list. Okay. Um, Rattle off a few here if you've got them. All right. Well, I'll go ahead with two cheaper wide receivers. LaVisca Chenault of the Jacksonville Jaguars on the field for 62% of snaps in his first ever game. Uh, They've been using him in the run game, both in training camp and he had two carries week one here. I like him. He's going to be in the slot consistently for the Jags, who are probably going to be down in a lot of games. He might have some flex value for you. And then Paris in at wide receiver also. Right. Just got to throw that in there. Paris Campbell of the Indianapolis Colts. He was lighting up training camp, led the Colts with nine targets, six catches for 71 yards. Love that clip. He's going to get the ball every single week. So these are two guys you could go after in a little trade if you need some wide receiver depth. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Last guy I've got here, he's going to be incredibly hard to acquire. I mean, you're going to have to give (laughs) up a ton, but Josh Jacobs, this man went nuts. Three touchdowns. He had the most yards after contact by far of any player week one. I mean, almost double the next closest player. And a fun fact for you, the Oakland Raiders have never lost when Josh Jacobs scores. So I think they're going to continue to feed him the rock and he's going to get a ton of goal line carries. And as long as he can stay healthy, it looks like he's going to be a top five running back this year. Yeah. I was disappointed with how like he got a lot of touches last year, but he needed more. They spent a first round pick on him. He is so talented and he looked pretty elusive against the Panthers too. He did. And I'm just looking forward to Oakland getting him more involved in the passing game. Kind of like you talked about with Kansas city and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Mm -hmm. Jacobs is a guy that is a very capable receiver and Oakland has not gotten him as involved in the passing game as we both expected them to when they took him as early as they did. Yeah. I think he had six targets um, in the passing game this last week. I need to be fact-checked on that, but that's promising. Jalen Richard was taken away a lot last year. Um, yeah. But I will say, I don't like the matchup this week against the Saints. I'm not worried you gotta, about it. You He's have to start in the lineup You have to start him. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> He's a guaranteed 10 points, even on a bust week, where he might have 15 carries for 45 yards and catch three or four balls for 20 yards. I mean, the guy is going to be 10-plus every single week. Mm-hmm. So moving over to flight... Yes. How many guys do you have here? I've got four, and I've got a feeling we're going to have at least one or two similarities here. Okay, because I already mentioned Nick Chubb, so I'll let you go first. Okay, my first one, you're not going to like this. That's fine. It's James Conner. I'm dumping James Conner. 
Benny Snell is going to eat into his carries even if Connor stays healthy. We saw him go down in the second quarter with an ankle injury and stayed out the rest of the game. He's supposed to be back this next week, but Benny Snell has been so much more effective on the ground over the last two seasons, and we know Connor's got the injury bug. He's got a little bit of the Zach Ertz in him. I'm expecting Benny Snell to get more carries for the remainder of the season than James Conner. So I'm dumping Conner as soon as I can. Maybe wait until this week, see if Pittsburgh builds up a big lead against Denver. He gets a touchdown or two, and you can flip him and get a little bit more than you could right now. But I'm dumping James Conner. Um, I don't know about Benny Snell getting more carries the rest of the year, but I will say Benny Snell's performance was the worst part about James Conner getting hurt. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if he's going to run the ball like that, I'm not sure why you need to make James Conner a workhorse. And Mike Tomlin, he's it's on the record. He likes a bell cow back, so I think he'll continue to go with the hot hand. You saw Jalen Samuels get some carries when Conner went out, and Snell was just outworking him, so he stuck with it. Um, right. Definitely something to monitor. He's questionable for this game against Denver. Uh, He's supposed to play Connor, but yes. you never know. You never know. I, a lot of time between now and then. Yeah, I have him in a couple leagues, and I'm not sure what I'm going to do this week. So I do like that pick. Um, my first flight guy, Odell yes. Beckham. We mentioned this at the top of the show. Ah. Baker has got to find a way to get him this, get him the ball. And if he doesn't have at least six catches this next week against the Bengals who are really nothing special defensively. I'm no. I'm ready to get rid of Odell for whatever I can. There's going to be someone in your but league. That's the thing. Do you think you could get anything? I mean, just off the name, you think you could lure someone yes, into giving you a, a solid running back or something like that. Right. You might not go position for position in a trade, but I think, you know, if, if you don't have a good tight end and someone ends up with like Noah Fant on their bench, you know, because they took a flyer, it might be worth it. Okay, see, I'm going to hold on Odell. And if okay. I'm going to sell on him, I'm going to wait until he has a big week because he's too talented. That offensive line is so much better than last season, or at least is supposed to be. And they have enough of a run game that it should open up the passing game for Baker. And holy shit, at some point, they've <laughs> got to figure it out. And Odell's got to get the ball because he's so talented. There's just no reason for him to be getting held under 50 yards consistently. That's just ridiculous. So I'm waiting on Odell. He is about the only part of that Browns offense outside of the running game and Kareem Hunt that I have faith in. So I'm waiting on Odell and I'd almost even counter you here and say, I'd go trade for him after this miserable mm. week one. Well, you were and high on him coming into the year. So I was, and that's that. me just staying in my stance right. here. But I also make think sure there's the a listeners know if Cleveland season does go to shit, no pun intended after the <laughs> first few weeks and they start, I don't know, Oh, and five or something like that, or one and four, one and five, Odell's going to get moved. And I think whatever team Maybe. he goes to, his production goes up compared to Cleveland because it can't go down. It cannot get any worse. So I'm holding Odell, hoping things get better or he gets traded. Yeah. Last thing on this, Jimmy Smith and Marlon Humphrey, great corners. The Ravens are a good defense, but it's a tough matchup. I, I don't get why he can't pick up anything in garbage time like the Falcons receivers do. There's just no excuse for three catches when they get 
throttled 38 to 6. Okay, yeah, next. I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay, next guy that I am taking flight on, Tyreek Hill. So we saw the Chiefs come out, spread it around like they always do. And the more I think about this and the more I look into it, I think a big part of the reason as to why Tyreek Hill had as good of a year as he did last season is because Sammy Watkins was banged up, Robinson was banged up, and he was really the only competent wide receiver they have, not including Kelsey. But this season, if the Chiefs wide receivers and the supporting cast stays healthy, Tyreek Hill is not going to get as many targets as he did last year. And I also think this team is going to win more games and have more leads than they did last season. Mm -hmm. And they're going to feed Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the second half when they're up big. And they're not going to be looking for that big play to Tyreek Hill as much to blow a game wide open when they're already up 21 points. So that's what I'm thinking. I'd sell on Tyreek Hill pretty quick. I also don't love his health. He's a guy that has had the injury bug on and off sometimes. And I'm just not big on Hill for where he was drafted. I think his value is just not going to live up to the expectations. Yes, um, I'm with you. We've kind of been on this. I actually traded Tyreek Hill after one week for Miles Sanders because I, I had too much receiver depth as is, and I don't like the volatility that comes with him. And like you said, I mean, Robinson and Watkins were heavily involved in this first game. They're mm-hmm. going to be ahead in a lot of games. And in the playoffs, he could have another dud, the three catch right. for 60 yards or whatever. And that you can't win a league with Tyreek Hill. I stand by beat. it. Unless you've also got Julio Jones or Devontae Adams right. or a couple other guys like that in your starting lineup. It's just too hard to win a league with a guy who's so boomer bust. So, yeah, yeah I'm glad you agree on that one. Um, who is your second guy that you are taking flight on? Yep. Same theme, volume is king in fantasy football. My final flight guy here is Mark Ingram. 10 carries for 29 yards for the Ravens. Yes, it's double-digit carries, but we did see J.K. Dobbins get seven himself and goal line carries. Got two touchdowns in his first ever game in the NFL. And Lamar Jackson is going to get goal line carries as well. It's a very valid point. But one thing I'm thinking on this is don't overreact too much yet because it was a blowout. And Ingram is getting older. He's got a lot of carries on his body. He had a relatively concerning injury at the end of last season. I'm thinking this was Baltimore just playing it safe, getting the Rook involved. No reason to build up Ingram's carries week one in a blowout. And yes, Dobbins did get some goal line work. But I think part of it was they were just going series for series. And he happened to be out there on the series when (laughs) the Ravens punched it in and they were on you know four five six seven eight yard line well even then i don't want running backs who are going series for series so i i just think ingram is a little bit too touchdown dependent he did he scored a lot last season i think he was like second for running backs and rushing touchdowns i don't have the number in front of me but it just scared me a little bit man yeah, I'd like to see him catching some more passes to give him some more value, but we know that's probably not going to happen. So <laughs> that's fair. I'm keeping Ingram on my bench, but I'm going to hold him and see what happens because I don't think you could get a ton for him right now. And speaking of guys I'm keeping on my bench and I couldn't get much for right now, another guy I'm taking flight on, Brandon Cooks. Mm, I mean, yeah. the guy's already banged up again. He caught two balls early in the game for 20 yards and then left the game, didn't come back. Hold on this guy, wait for him to have a big week, which he inevitably will at some point in that Texans offense and with how much they're going to have to throw the ball. 
and dump him for anything you can get because he's just not reliable. He's not someone you can play in the flex consistently. You never know when he's going to go out early in a game. And I'm just off Brandon Cooks. I He's a great talent. I feel for the guy, but he's going to be retired within a year or two. Yeah, and really tough matchup against the Ravens this week. Will Fuller had a 32% target share for the Texans as well. He's looking like the number one. So, yeah, I don't think you can rely on Cooks. Hopefully he's not in your starting lineup unless you got injuries or two guys on bye week. Right. Um, Definitely. I got one more guy here I'm going to throw out, and then we can move it along to our bankroll building. But um, Mike Thomas. I'm trying to get rid of Mike Thomas. Really? And I don't like... That's an overreaction. I don't like what I saw from New Orleans and with how involved they had Murray in the run game, I think they're going to really have kind of a yin and yang with Kamara and Murray and they're going to get 30 plus touches between them a game. And I just don't see New Orleans beating Mike Thomas like they did last year. He's already banged up. I know it's probably hard to get his values worth right now. So maybe wait till he comes back off a big week and trade him because I also think having Emmanuel Sanders there is going to cut into his value. I don't think New Orleans is going to throw the ball as much as they have the last couple years. And I just don't see him having the value that a Julio or a Devonte or a Hopkins are going to the season. I, I just don't see it. I think Mike Thomas takes a major step back this year. I do think he takes a step back compared to last year because Repeating last Unsustainable. year is not possible, yeah. but I, I, I would just be careful with that. I, okay. if you're going to trade him, just make sure you get something really good in return. We know Drew Brees does not throw the ball down the field. So that serves Michael Thomas. Well, um, I would just be, I would just be careful. Just make sure you get something good back. I agree. Don't panic sell. And- right get nothing but i think just with the name and with how dominant he was last season right now you could still get a pretty nice package back for him but yeah don't don't panic sell him and take nothing back make sure you get someone or a package that's really good so that's all i got on fantasy do you have any other guys you want to throw out any honorable mentions anything like that yeah two honorable mentions scotty miller he likely got picked up already um tom looks like he's gonna throw to this guy a whole lot um, so new Edelman, Wes Welker, someone to keep an eye on. And then I also say Gardner Minshew got to be a great streaming option for you this year. If he's, I think he's probably still going to be available in some leagues, even after last. He isn't all of mine. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's someone to keep an eye on. All right. Well, there is all of our fantasy. Hopefully that helps you out. Um, we're going to have a lot more to come in the following week. So stay tuned if you are a big fantasy player and should we, make the listeners a little money right now (laughs) i think it's time bankroll builders both of us up cha-ching at least three units on the first week here so yes sir i'll go ahead and recap my picks um to start and i'll let you go through yours my first one seattle atlanta over 49 smacked with a 38 25 final second Green Bay money line against the Minnesota Vikings took advantage of a banged up defense there week one, got them plus 130 for the dub. Third pick, Dallas at the Rams over 52. We don't have to talk about that. You know, <laughs> Sunday night, I thought the fast turf would, you know, bring us some points, but it was a little All bit right, more of cat. a defensive battle. Right. 
And then my final pick, Steelers minus six. I had a unit and a half on that one. Steelers came easy out money. the way. Yeah, easy that money. was easy money. Why did we even second guess it? I should have gone heavier. Steelers defense looks so good. Oh, I doubled down on that come game time. And uh, they were a team that I had in one of my first bets. I had that three-team money line parlay. had the Steelers, Seahawks, Chiefs money line, 20 to 140, two units to win four. Then we had a few losses here. We had a couple money line underdogs, Tampa Bay and Carolina, who both missed. And then we had the Titans minus one and a half. I hope you got that in when you heard this pod because the line moved to three. But when we gave Mm -hmm. the picks out, it was at one and a half. So that hit as well. The current bankroll for me is at $80, made 30 last week. And I believe you were at 87, made 37 last week. That's right. Feeling Pretty good. good start, man. Great start. Going to the moon. Going to the moon. All right. Well, let's get into our picks for this week. If you want to take it away with your first action. Okay. I really like this one. Try to talk me out of it. I dare you. I got two units on a two-team six-point tease. Can I guess here? Guess. You're oh, going to take I the 49ers. Be. 49ers over the Jets. I actually don't remember. Okay, I don't think cool, I saw this. Cool. 49ers over Jets and Chiefs over Chargers. You got one leg. I got, I'm teasing the Chiefs down from eight and a half to two and a half. All they got to do is win by a field goal against the Chargers. That's a lock. Sounds good to me. And then I got Baltimore minus half a point against the Houston Texans. I could see some nonsense happen in that Okay. Game. I don't know. I got a weird feeling about that one. Right. So that's the one I'm worried about. And let me throw you a statistic and tell me if it has any weight to it. Take into okay. account that the Baltimore Ravens are a wagon when you hear this stat. Okay. All right. Since 07, when Thursday night football started, I think that's correct. The team that lost on the Thursday night season opener has won every single time in week two by an average margin of 12 points. Do you chalk that up to the extra days of rest, or do you think that that's Certainly. just pure coincidence? I think it's extra days of rest, um, extra days extra days of prep, extra days of preparation film. to watch film, um, you, you know, make up the mistakes that you had in week one. And... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. But also, like, <laughs> how often are you going against the second best team in the NFL in the second week? Right. I think that's tough. And it's not like the Ravens had a super taxing close game where they right. had to expend all their energy exactly. up until the last seconds in the fourth quarter. But I don't know. Deshaun Watson just, there's some games where I feel like they have no business winning and somehow they do. So I don't know. That's one I'm staying away from. But Normally, I would say yes. I think that bet is a lock to smack. So I like it. I don't love it, but I definitely don't dislike it. And I'm going bold here. Okay. There are a good chunk of games that I think are just surefire wins. And (laughs) I have, I'm, I'm sticking with the money line parlay here. These are all favorites. I'm not throwing any dogs in here. We have a five-team okay. money line parlay. One thing I will say, as we do this segment throughout the season, if one of us doesn't have a money line parlay each week, we're cowards. We're cowards. We're cowards. Half a unit, a unit, something. I love the parlays, and I'm putting a unit and a half on this one. It is 15 to win 47. I'm taking the 49ers over the Jets. Put your cool. freaking mortgage on that one. Nice. That's a lock. Steelers over the Broncos. That's a lock. 
Cardinals over the football team. This one makes me a little bit more nervous than I thought it would, but I feel good about that. Chiefs over the Chargers, and then Saints over the Raiders. No Michael Thomas, Mm. no problem. I don't think the Raiders are going to be able to score like they did against Carolina, and I also don't see the Raiders being able to stop the one-two punch of Kamara and Latavius Murray. So even if it comes down to Drew Brees having to get it done late in the game, I trust him over Carr any day of the week. Even with no Mike Thomas, you got Sanders there. You got Jared Cook there. You got some speedsters out wide. You have options. So that's my five-team money line parlay. I like it. Feel free to throw more than 15 on it if you like it as well because I almost did. I very much like that parlay. I will be rooting for that. 49ers. Steelers against the Broncos. I'm a little scared of that one. Don't ask me why. And Cardinals over the football team. I think that could be a good game. I think it could be a good game too. And all of these except 49ers over the Jets and really Chiefs over Chargers. I thought the spreads were a little bit too big. And I like, for example, I like the Steelers to win. I like the Cardinals to win. I like the Saints to win for sure but I don't know if I'd touch the spread. So that's why I'm just taking the money line parlay. I don't see any way any of them lose, but any given Sunday, you know, anything can happen. Right. That's a fun one. Okay. All right. What do we got next? My second pick here. You're not going to like this one, but I, Uh I feel an edge in my gut. And that don't tell me you're taking the Browns over the no, Bengals minus no, no, six. No. I'm taking the New England Patriots plus four and a half. I got in early. It's moved down to plus four. I think that's going to move a whole lot more come kickoff. Yes. New England Patriots plus four and a half at the Seattle Seahawks. There is no 12th man in this game. Let's make that clear. The New England Patriots secondary led by Defensive player of the year, Stefan Gilmore, who had a pick last week against the Miami Dolphins, is going to lock down DK Metcalf. Tyler Lockett might have himself a decent day in the slot, but I like JC Jackson as well. I think this is a much better defense than the Falcons. Um, who, oh, the without C- a yeah. doubt. And a, a much better coach team. A much, much better coach team. And one thing I really like to see was Cam Newton running the ball like Optimus Klein and the Belldozer. For you Big 12 fans, 15 carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns. I think this could be a little bit of a ball control game for the Patriots. They'll keep it close. It will never get out of hand. And I heard this about Cam and Josh McDaniels. Cam just ate up being able to sit down in between possessions, pick each other's brains with a coach like Josh McDaniels. And I think they're going to have more fun with the playbook. They're going to whip out some gadget trick plays each week here. And the more they build their relationship together, build continuity throughout the season, I think the Patriots are a team to watch. I don't hate that pick. Um, I'm not going to put any action on this one. I'm going to stay away, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to watch this because I Should think be it could go game. anyway. Yeah. If I were, were going to lean a certain direction, I'd probably go Patriots money line just for the value, but I think this is a coin flip. It could be either team coming out on top, but I'll tell you one thing. It's not going to be a blowout. It's going to be a one-score game. I feel really confident about that. Good. I was, I was worried you were going to say I could see the Seahawks blowing them out. No, I don't think so. I just The Patriots are too competent. They have too much pride. There's just no way that they get blown out here. So I like that, and I'm afraid you're not going to like my next pick here. 
I was going to put two units on it, Ooh. but I decided yeah. to just one, go ahead and one put unit one on, on the Pats, sir. Okay, one unit on the Pats. I'm putting a unit on the Bengals plus six against the Browns. Mm. I mean, plus six, that's way too big of a line because the Chargers defense is significantly better than the Browns defense, if you ask me. I know they're missing Derwin James, but they still have a significant front seven in LA being the Chargers. And I don't think the Browns are going to give Burrow as much trouble and get as many sacks as the Chargers did. I think Burrow's going to have a little bit more time in the pocket. He's going to have a little bit better chemistry with AJ Green. And I think they win this game. I might even double down and go money line two tomorrow before kickoff because wow, I like the Bengals a lot. I, I think they win this game. I'm a little bit scared of the rookie quarterback on the short week after his first game. You know, coming here and into Cleveland, can the Bengals? Joey B ain't no rookie. He ain't right. no normal. Rookie. He's not nervous about anything. Can the Bengals stop the run? That will be the decision maker in this game, I think. And you know, maybe Burrow does have some confidence after that Week One game. It looks like his rapport was pretty strong with those receivers, and hopefully, he doesn't come out as slow as he did against the Chargers. So. I'm very excited to watch this, and I, I hope that Burrow's sons, Baker Mayfield, when they shake hands after the game, looks down at him and says, I am better than you. I'm the king of Ohio. I can tell you right now, Burrow's better, 100%. <laughs> I am so confident Burrow's better than Baker. I think if you put Burrow on that Browns he could get team, the ball to they're Odell. darn near a playoff team. Yeah, he could. He could, and he's a better leader. I, I don't want to get, I don't want to thrash Baker too much here, but I'm tired of that guy. I'm tired of the freaking progressive commercials. Um, what is the next pick you have got here? All right, my third and final pick, and we'll run through them all after Jackson gives out his final. I'm going back to kind of the well, and that's the Atlanta Dallas over 52 and a half now let me tell you oh man that's a large number but the last time these two teams played in jerry world they put up 67 and there will be some fans in the building for this i think dallas gets back on track takes some more shots down the field against this terrible atlanta secondary I think it's going to be a big, big day for Amari Cooper. And I liked what I saw from CD. And obviously, Michael Gallup will get himself back in the mix. So I think this is just going to be a very high-scoring game, maybe 37-27. The Falcons are the kings of garbage time. So they'll get you that backdoor cover if you're at all worried. Let's go. If Dallas doesn't cover this over for me, I might be done betting on them for a while. I will never bet on Dallas while I have a pulse, so I don't have to worry about that problem, but I do like that over, and I've got two more picks here. I added a fifth one, or excuse me, I added a fourth one late, so my third pick, Vikings money line plus 140 against the Colts. I saw Mm. all I needed to against Phil Rivers. He's washed. That Vikings team is due for a bounce back game. There is no way that they are going to have a miserable season and only win five or six games. I think they're going to be close to 500. I don't see them starting 0-2. They're going to have some more continuity with that offense. The defense can't play any worse. Surely Minnesota has a better showing than against Green Bay. And I think Green Bay is leaps and bounds better than Indy. So I'm going with the Vikes. And that is one unit to win $14. And then speaking of the Packers, I'm taking them covering against the Lions, minus six. I think they get it done. And yeah, I'm only worried about a Lions garbage time touchdown. That's my biggest fear. But what I saw 
from the Packers defense, granted, Minnesota did get some garbage time touchdowns also, but for the most part, they had that Vikings offense pretty stifled and the Lions running game looked pretty miserable. I I know Adrian Adrian. Peterson looks solid, but I don't see Adrian Peterson putting up darn near 100 yards on the Packers. I just don't see it. And I didn't see enough from carry on or Swift to really make me nervous. So I liked what I saw from the Packers and Devontae Adams, and I think they are really going to miss Darius Slay. Yeah, another big day for Devontae Adams. Yes, not having Slay out there in the secondary is going to cost them, and I just see Adams going for another 150-plus and a touchdown against them. I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers hang a 52-piece on the Lions. Oh, wow. Well, Jeff Akuda didn't play last week, and it looks like he's going to play this week. So that will be... Rookie in his first game. Against Devontae we'll Adams, yeah. That's that's a tough ask. It could be a long day. That's a little bit of a stay away for me. I do think the over in both of those two games you just mentioned could be in play. I was looking at that. I like that. I like that. That is Vikings, Colts, and Packers, Lions. So that's a 0-1, two 0-1 teams in the Vikings game. Mm-hmm. And, and 1-0 versus 0-1 in right. the Packers and Lions. So. I just don't see any way the Packers lose this game, and I don't think it's really even going to be close. So Okay, first coach fired. Matt Patricia is in second at plus 350 right now. Gase what at is plus Adam Gase at? Like, even money? Oh, hammer Adam Gase at plus 325. If he makes it through week six, I will be shocked. <laughs> oh, we got, yeah. Dan Quinn, plus 600. Doug Marone, plus 750. Bill O'Brien. Plus a thousand? No way. They're too invested with him. They can't. He's their GM. Was he gonna too. fire himself? Yeah. <laughs> Is he gonna fire himself? Yeah. Get out of here. Okay. Um, let's recap the picks. I got KC minus two and a half and Baltimore minus half a point in a teaser. Two units on that. New England Patriots plus four and a half at Seattle. One unit there. And one unit on the Atlanta Dallas over 52 and a half. Okay, and I have got the five-team Moneyline Parlay, a unit and a half to win $47, 49ers over Jets, Steelers over Broncos, Cardinals over the football team, Chiefs over Chargers, and Saints over Raiders. Then I've also got Bengals plus six versus the Browns, one unit on that, Vikings Moneyline against the Colts plus 140, one unit to win 14, and then Packers minus six covering against the Lions, one unit on it. I know that's a lot to take in, but I'm telling you, we're going to the moon. We're building that bankroll, and we're not stopping. Right. Click rewind a few times, whether you're on Spotify or Apple. Listen back to it. We both won money this last week. I think the early part of the season is where you can really build a lead onto your bankroll. So let's go ahead and transition over to some NBA So Peter and I have our little friendly bet going on. I had the Celtics. He had the Raptors. So that puts me up $30. We both picked the Heat over the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. So nothing dramatic there to really talk about. But I will say that showing from Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, and Bam Adebayo in that first game against the Celtics was absolutely miraculous. I don't know if you got to watch that game down the stretch, but the clutch plays from Hero Jimmy and Bam were just impeccable. I mean, this team's going to win it all. Hero has the biggest kahunes of a rookie I've ever seen. 
Oh, I was going to say. He got a triple-double. So the all-rookie teams came out yesterday, and if that was voted after the postseason, Hero and Nunn would be flipped. Hero would be first team. Nunn would be second team. For sure, but I don't think Hero even cares about that. He missed first team by one vote, and everyone knows he is. Honestly, at this point, out of any rookie I could have, I would almost take Hero over Zion or Jock. Okay, and I no, never thought I would say that. Quiet. So we got to give some credit. Hero will be an eight-time All-Star. I, okay, we'll see about that. I saw you tweet that. I'm not ready to go there. But From what I've seen in the playoffs, oh my gosh. I don't, Cold-blooded. I don't even know if he's starting next year. But... I got to give some credit to Pat Riley. There was a big rumor about um, Gallinari going to Miami around the trade deadline. Chris Paul, too, and Hero was one of the guys in that package. Great foresight by the Miami Heat not making that deal and sticking with their guns. I think they look like the Toronto Raptors of last year. Just a bunch of dogs fighting out there every single night. Jimmy Butler's playing the Kawhi role for them. And then you got Dragic, Hero, all these guys just stepping up. They have no fear at all. The enforcer. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm I'm and loving this team. I am too. And the key to this series against the Celtics is going to be Bam Adebayo. Because I'm telling you right now, Tice did a good job in game one, but he cannot handle Bam. Neither can Robert Williams. Neither can Canner. And Tatum's just not big enough to throw him at Bam down the stretch if they want to go small. And I think Miami is just going to run their offense more and more through Bam the rest of this series. And last thing I'm going to say about Miami, I'm looking for them to go to a seven-man rotation. I think they're going to nix Kendrick Nunn's minutes. They're going to nix Olenek's minutes and not play Derek Jones Jr. unless it's just a defensive possession down the stretch where they need length and athleticism out there because all three of those guys had really bad plus minuses and just watching the game, Miami played really bad with those three on the floor. So I'm looking for them to go to that seven-man rotation and only play Iguodala and Hero off the bench, and I think they're going to be dynamite with that seven-man rotation. I don't think, what do they do when Bam comes off the floor? You play small. You wait. Who do you, who I mean, do you play you, at center. That's you could that's honestly, no size. You could throw Jay Crowder at Tice. I know that sounds crazy, but Tice isn't yeah. going to beat you offensively. I'm not worried about him. You know, if Tice gets four or five points, that's so fair. That's fair. And I do think, you know, they're they're not going to throw Canner out there because if they did, Miami would just switch on him every time and they got enough guys, whether right. it's Dragic or Jimmy, that would just blow by him and get to the line. Exactly. You run the pick and roll with whoever Canner is guarding and he's <laughs> going to get exposed. It's a bucket every single time. So I think Miami is just so much more equipped to win this series with the weapons they have. So all I've got on that, um, dare we move over to the Western Conference here because... I I am sick to my stomach. I, I do want to say, I think this series will probably go seven games. You think so? I'm thinking Miami and six. It's going to be Miami and six or seven, but Kimba had a bad shooting night. I think he'll get a little bit better there. Tatum. I've given up on Kimba. Tatum, He's been bad all of the playoffs. Tatum was good until down the stretch, and he started to play a little bit of hero ball. Too much isolation, right. I thought. Yeah. That's one. That's the only beef I've got with Tatum in these close games they've had in the playoffs. He's tried to do too much. 
Well, I mean, I think he needs to be that guy. Kimba's great oh, in the he's definitely the guy. Kimba's great in the mid range. You know, he can get to the elbow like we all know. But Kimba's elbow step back is the only shot he has hit the entire <laughs> playoffs. I mean, I sat there watching that game yesterday saying I'd rather have Marcus Smart on my team in the playoffs than Kimba Walker. And that sounds insane. But Kimba's just been terrible. He's been terrible. Yeah. And the leadership, you can't overlook that. But when you're going six for 20 in playoff games on a consistent basis, that's bad. That's bad, man. It's not great. But you also said that you'd rather have Smart over Kimba when Kimba is shooting really poorly right in front of you and Smart's banging in six triples. Oh, Come absolutely recent but I'd rather have Smart on defense also. And Smart has looked like more of a leader on the court at times than Kimba. He's taken charge. He's gotten those guys fired up and he's gotten on them when they needed to be reprimanded a little bit. And I mean, Smart looks like a coach on the floor and yeah, he's been incredible. I, I never thought I'd see Marcus Smart going six for 12 from three in the playoffs. It's insane. All right, let's talk about it. The Clips got bounced. They did. And... All I've got to say is I was so wrong. We all were. You will not hear me say that often. I was wrong more than anyone. I was calling people idiots who thought the Clippers could lose that series. And I thought with Doc Rivers coaching and the weapons they had, they were going to beat the Lakers and they were going to win the finals in six or seven against the Heat. And PG's a fraud. I'll say it on the record. Paul George is probably my least favorite player in the NBA after he ran his mouth to Dame and took it to social media and their girls are going at it and just really made it ugly and a bigger deal than it needed to be. And he did not back it up at all with his play. And Dame did. And PG turned out to be a fraud. Kawhi did not clutch up like I thought he would. And I don't know if he had a glitch in the system and his robot mode couldn't activate or something in the second half, but he was not the Kawhi I thought I would see. And I'm also going to say, I think the Clippers screwed up by making as many additions to that rotation as they did throughout the season. I don't think you needed to add Reggie Jackson. I think that was a huge mistake. I don't even know if you needed to go pick up Morris. I kind of liked what they had in Mo Harkless and their unit to start the season. And I'm also not sure if Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams are championship basketball players. No, they were not good at all in the series. While Zubak was actually a little bit better for them. Yeah, I just he was. I do think the chemistry thing is valid. I mean, they never really made a consistent rotation with these guys. They were making trades yeah. throughout the season. You're 100 percent right about that. Um, I just think maybe they could be a year away. I mean, the Miami Heat big three didn't do it in their first season, but. Uh, they got to make some tweaks, man. Yeah, Paul I, is not a second guy at this point. He's just not. He hasn't gotten to. He's a regular season player. Yeah, I'll say that. The, the regular season player. The Pacers team with Danny Granger, Roy Hibbert. I mean, that was the best version of Paul George we've seen in a while. Oh, absolutely. Forever. And the thing is, then they were such big underdogs with no expectations. It was different. And now it's like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's run his mouth, put all the spotlight on himself and everyone expects them to win. And their finals favorites. And he just didn't live up to the expectations. And I think he's a guy that's just not made for the moment. And I'm not going to bring in off the court stuff, but maybe it's a little <laughs> bit of karma catching up with him for chemistry how he's behaved, issues but... with the coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so. Uh, 
spending a little bit too much time in the strip club, the Clippers team. I don't know. Maybe that's in there somewhere, but man, that team is doing that, don't they? They sure do. I mean, Hey, the wings at magic city, man, they're real good, you know? Um, but I think they got to make some moves. I think they have to make some moves if they want to come back next year. And Harold's a free agent, so he's gone. And I think that's probably for the better. Although I love his energy, but he's not, he can't stretch the floor. He wasn't that good. No, no. And I think it's time to move Lou Williams. And that sounds crazy, but I, I did not like what I saw from Lou Will. And as great as he is on offense and as much of a bucket getter as he is, He's a ball stopper a lot of times, and he kills your offensive flow and takes a lot of bad shots. When he's making them and they're going in, it's awesome. But when they're not, it is just so deflating. I certainly agree that he is not a crunch time guy. You He gets portered. Michael Porter Jr. is who I'm referring to defensively. Yeah. He can't be out there in clutch moments. And the tired excuse that some of these guys are asking to get pulled off the floor. Look at Jamal Murray. Two seven-game series just carrying this team. You can't discount what Jokic did with 16-22 and 15 or whatever, or 13. That duo. Ridiculous line he put up. I'm ready to say that that's the second-best duo in the NBA behind LeBron and AD. Okay. I, I No, I'm ready. Jamal Murray's a top-10 player. What he has done this series and those shots he has hit last two series. I mean, the performances that he has put on and the big playability with no juice left in the tank has been incredible. The step backs, the fadeaways he's hitting last night. I mean, I'm sitting there with he all my buddies. That just Chris thinking, Paul corner dagger three. So many shots. There, were, We were just sitting there going, no way he keeps making these. Every time he'd go to shoot, you'd go, no way. And then he'd make it and you'd freak out. Like It was just waiting for him to stop being spectacular because it was unsustainable and he never stopped. You want to know what the scariest part about this team is? The average age is <laughs> Jokic like is 25. 20. Jokic is 25. Um, Jamal Murray's like 21. Wait, no, no. 27, nine. He's, 22. Is that 23? Yeah, 23. But I mean, these guys are so young. You got Michael Porter, who will get better and better over the next few years. Monte And Morris. imagine if Paul takes a leap. Oh, yeah. I love what they have. If you're a free agent, that's the destination. That's where I want to go. Yes. Uh, I had a couple people in my mentions saying, man, we should go after Michael Porter Jr. Try to trade Chris Paul for him. And we're not getting Michael Porter Jr., but I would love to see us go try to get Bull Bull. I think if we could give, if Denver loses to the Lakers and they look to add Chris Paul and we could get Bull Bull, Gary Harris and Will Barton and maybe some second round picks, I would take it. Yeah, it's also really impressive they're doing this without Will Barton. (laughs) Yeah. He was one of their better it's players all insane. season. And they just got Gary Harris back a couple weeks ago, and I don't even know if he's at 100% yet. He looked pretty good. I mean, he's brought... He did look good. He looked really good. He brought a lot to the series defensively that they were missing against the Jazz. And Absolutely. if you would have told me it's going to take them seven games to beat the Jazz, I would have said, yeah, okay, they're going to lose in four or five against the Clips. Exactly. But here we are. Exactly. Here we are, and you got to tip your cap to what Grant and Harris have done defensively because they have just been dominant on that end. And 
put together an incredible series against the Clippers. I didn't think they'd be able to stop Kawhi and PG like they did. So props to them. And let's look ahead now to the Lakers and the Nuggets and go ahead and give our picks here. Are you going with the Lakers? I'm going with the Lakers, man, but I don't think it's going to be a gentleman's sweep. I think it's going to go six. You know what? I'm up 30 on you. When in Rome, I'm going with the Nuggets. Let's make it interesting. Oh. I want to see a Nuggets Heat finals. Are you up 30? Yeah. How? I was up 20 and I got the Celtics. You had the Raptors. Oh, you're right. You're right. Okay. All right. Well, whatever my bankroll bets, Mac, I'll be able to pay you back. <laughs> roll it over. Just roll it over. All right. Okay. I'm going with the Lake Show, but I think it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a fun series. Anyone who thinks that's going to be a sweep, you're an idiot. At this point, the Nuggets might come back from 3-0 and win the series. <laughs> so there's no telling. I'm excited. I am incredibly depressed. We're not getting the battle for LA, but with how good of basketball Denver is playing. I don't want to watch that crappy Clippers team anymore. I don't like okay. watching Marcus Morris. I don't like watching Beverly score two points and get five fouls every single night seeing Lou Williams and Harold be half the players they were in the regular season. I'm so over yeah. it. They have a chance to completely fall apart in the next two seasons. If they don't get close to winning one next year, they went all I in Oklahoma city fleeced apart. them in that trade. And Oklahoma city Ooh. is going to be sitting so pretty the next few years after Houston blows it up and has to get rid of Harden and Westbrook. And after the Clippers get left by Kawhi and PG and free agency. And I'm sitting here thinking that we might have some lottery picks in the next few years out of those picks that were not anticipated. So Sam Presti, I tip my cap. I am, I am excited <laughs> for the future. The playoffs went about as well as they could have if you're an OKC fan in all reality. So yeah. I'm pumped and I'm pumped also excited. I'm ready for the bubble to come to an end so we can see what all is going to happen with the market this summer and the salary cap and what kind of trades we're going to see. Cause there's a lot of teams that are going to be primed to make some big moves. And I think we might have a very hectic and fast expedited off season. Yeah, a couple notes before we get out of here. Mike D'Antoni no longer with the Rockets. Um, yep. The NBA draft has been officially set for November 18th. Mark your calendars. We have Heat Celtics game two tomorrow. We have the Battle for Ohio, Bengals, Browns, and Love Island is back on, baby. My roommates oh, are all over oh. it. We're going to have that triple screen going. Let's go. Another thing to look forward to, we got the U.S. Open this weekend. Yeah. I put out a little video about it. Tigers playing 35-1. to 1. DJ's big-time favorite, though. Oh, you, dude, what were people saying about Tiger going into the Masters last year? Fair, no chance. Fair. All right. It's give me, you never know. Give me three picks and let's get out of here. Colin, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Colin Morikawa at 14 to 1. Like him a lot. Xander Shoffley, 13 to 1. And then Tommy Fleetwood at 28 to 1. Those are three guys I like. All right. There you have it. This was a longer pod, but we hit week one. We hit fantasy. We hit gambling advice for you and some NBA. So I think every second was worth listening to. Thanks to everyone Absolutely. who's been loyal with us 
over the last few months of COVID and everything. But we are back in the saddle with football back, the NBA Finals just weeks away. Let's go, baby. It's fucking prime time for sports. <laughs> I mean, we're here. We I'm are pumped. Here. We're back. Let's go. We're back. All right. Well, hey, to the moon with the bankroll. Excited to see what happens with our picks. And, I mean, it, you just got to be juiced if you like sports right now, man. I'm excited to do it again yeah. next week. Yep. All right. You guys know the drill. Tell a friend if you've been enjoying the show, if you've won some money, whatever. Just get that name out there. Give us that five-star rating. We appreciate all of you, and we will be back next week. Peace.